0: Welcome to Mad Dogs and Englishmen on this surprisingly sunny late March morning. It is cloudless outside. Normally I look out and it's depressing and looks like England, but today it is nice. And we want to talk about, well, we want to talk about liberty, as we often do, but in specifically the Hobby Lobby case from yesterday, which uh, garnered much screaming.
1: Yeah, it's kind of a... Well, like a lot of things like this, it's the source of a lot of stupidity in people who talk about this kind of thing. Uh, it's not a question of, uh, <clears throat> as you were saying earlier today, religious uh, rules versus secular rules. It's a question of one federal law that clearly violates the terms of another federal law. But it's also a question, I think, and I, I wrote about this earlier in the week, of... Uh, the ongoing issue of, of centers of power in the country and when a company like Hobby Lobby says well we're owned by a family that has certain ethical views, certain religious views and we want to operate in a way that's consistent with them or when a church does that or when other sorts of non-governmental agencies do that, the left gets its backup. Um, they want everyone to be operating under the same consistent universal ethical standard which is theirs and the reason for that I think is that they really dislike the idea of competing centers of power in society Uh, they want the state to be the premier seat of power and have everything else be uh, subjugated to it so um, you know it's not a question of does the CEO of Hobby Lobby have the right to impose his religious views on a cashier working at a store it's a question of does the state have the right to force him to fund something that he doesn't want to.
0: Right. And one of the things that I think has really been lost is that the state is the aggressor here. In the way in which this is, is discussed misses that point. Now, that is not to say that all state aggression is a bad thing. Yesterday when I pointed out that the state was the aggressor here, not Hobby Lobby. Hobby Lobby has really stood still. Somebody said, well, yes, but so was the state the aggressor in the civil rights movement and in abolishing slavery. And that's absolutely true. But that its aggression was largely benevolent doesn't mean it wasn't the aggressor. And across the Obamacare issue, there's a reluctance to accept that the law changed and that that has consequences, even if you like them. We saw this with premiums. No, 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 it's the insurance companies. They're refusing to obey the law yeah okay but the law that you changed right, and yeah. with this once again hobby lobby is now being asked to do something that it was not asked to do two three years ago uh, i got myself for some reason into a, a a fight with the collected performance artists of the hard left on twitter <laughs> yesterday having <laughs> tweeted two things that i'm afraid i maintain are eminently sensible the first was that at its root what this shows is that the state is now very large and i said that you can determine how big a government is in america largely by how many laws the amish and people like them have to be exempted from and you didn't need to exempt the amish from any laws a hundred years ago because being left alone to live your own life in your own way was what the american government allowed you to do
1: well, actually, there was one uh, notable exception to that, which was the compulsory education law uh, that the Amish did have to be uh, exempted from. Right.
0: And that in itself was a... It was just one. A growth. But, but that was a, an example of a growth of government, mm. which wasn't there True. before. So, you know, again, if you're in favor of big government, fine. Good luck to you. But acknowledge that that is going to create these sorts of problems. That's going to create these sort of fights. Yeah. And it's
1: not even just, you know, a question of big government, but a, a question of what part of government gets to make the laws. Um, that we have a legislative branch for a reason, and this yes. has also come up in the uh, in the other Obamacare stuff. So the reason that this Hobby Lobby case is going to the Supreme Court is because we have something called the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, which says that, yeah, the government can sometimes burden the free exercise of religion when it's got a compelling state interest, air quotes, uh, for doing so. The words compelling state interest always creep me out, by yes. the way. They always sound a sort of... Uh, something from a Kafka novel.
0: Well, then we also don't apply them consistently. Because if you look at Second Amendment cases, compelling state interest is very often uh, a winning argument, but it is almost never a winning argument in, say, First Amendment cases. So we're hypocrites on this question.
1: So with the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, which was passed unanimously by the House 97 to 3 in the Senate, signed by Bill Clinton, ratified as constitutional by the Supreme Court, uh, what it says is that when the government burdens the free exercise of religion, has to do so in the least restrictive fashion imaginable, or the least restrictive fashion possible, anyway. So there are all sorts of ways that if we thought it were in the, you know, as a matter of state to get cheap birth control uh, to people, well, forcing their employers to do it through a universal federal legal mandate, it's pretty hard to argue that that's the least restrictive way to do it. You could send them a $10 off coupon for... You know, Dwayne Reed, and get their birth control that way. There are lots of easier ways to do it, and um, the point of this, I think, and this was you know, something I was writing earlier in the week, is it's not so much about the money because birth control is cheap, and we all know it's cheap. It's not uh, not hard to get; you can get it at Walmart for what is it seventeen bucks, something like that. But uh, to make sure that everyone is operating under the same moral rules, and those going to be the rules chosen by the left, not the rules that people choose for themselves.
0: Right. Um... And while I'm on the subject of of tweets and things that annoy people, I think this does bring up the the second point yesterday. And again, I'm amazed that this caused any controversy, but I think it really does go to the root of the question here, which is that I'm not against contraception at all. I'm not religious. I'm an atheist. I have no objection whatsoever to contraception. I'm very pro-contraception, in fact. My objection is to mandates. In fact, if you look at Gallup polling on this question, you'll find that 87% of Republicans are fine with contraception and that 90% of Democrats are. There's really no difference at all. There's a huge difference, however, on how okay with mandates. Now, my contention was that, yes, you can make a case in favor of contraception. You can wheel in doctors who say, well, women need it for this reason or that reason. You can wheel in insurance companies who say that, government needs to mandate it so that their bottom lines aren't affected if people get pregnant and so on. You can make the argument for lowering costs. You can make any kind of public interest argument that you like, and I will respect that. And then you say, well, in which case we need to mandate it, and I won't. And my point was that conservatives are really only a majority away from doing the same thing, if they were so disposed in an area that the left wouldn't like so you could for example say that in the name of public safety and access to what is a negative right everyone needs to have a gun and you could say look at professor gary kleck's work or john lott's work that where there's more guns is less crime and you could say the problem is that there are some poor people in dangerous areas who don't have access two firearms and you could point to switzerland and say look at this heavily armed country in which there's no crime and you could say well everyone then has to buy one now i would oppose that on principle because i don't like mandates well you know if
1: you if you're willing to to overrule individual rights in the name of some you know especially economically abstract version of national interest you can justify almost anything Mm -hmm. you can justify deporting everyone on food stamps you could, justif- Absolutely. you could justify dropping neutron bombs on the South Bronx You know, there's a, That's a, that's a Dead Kennedy song, by the way uh, Kinky Sex Makes the World Go Round Where they're talking about uh, using neutron bombs against the uh, the projects It's an really? imaginary phone conversation between uh, Reagan and Thatcher <laughs> uh, And one of their advisors, I think But uh, that's a little off topic Anyway, but yeah, you can justify anything. And, uh, and of course, you can come up, because numbers lie, can be made to lie, you can come up with a plausible Absolutely. economic argument for anything. For anything. For making Charlie King, for deporting him back to England, for, uh, you know, making him stand on his head for five minutes a day. It doesn't make any difference.
0: Right, and that's why we tend to have rules. Really, this is about, can the executive branch establish a mandate that then trumps another law. It's a question, as it always is, about the Constitution. It's a question about the nature of government. It's a question about the hierarchy of laws. It's nothing to do with religious people trying to get away with uh, ignoring the law for their own religious reasons.
1: Yeah, and it's an unnecessary fight, too. You know, when the, uh, when the Affordable Care Act was being uh, negotiated, as it was, and when the Obama administration was uh, considering this particular mandate... They were advised and warned uh, that they should study the question of whether this would be a violation of the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. And who was it in Congress? Uh, anyway, someone I, I believe actually even requested that they go to the Department of Justice, uh, the Attorney General's office, and get an opinion yeah. on that. And they just nah, we're just going to go ahead and do it. And because uh, they just figured they could just you know roll over whatever opposition they were going to get. And now we're fighting this stupid thing out in the Supreme Court. When you think about it, it is kind of ridiculous. I mean, Hobby Lobby, have you ever been in a Hobby Lobby? No. You know, it's it's this national chain store that basically sells scrapbooking supplies and potpourri and, you know, stuff that your grandmother would use to wrap gifts and that sort of thing. we're having a Supreme Court case... Over their employee benefits program and whether they have to include X form of birth control in it And that is just not the sign of a healthy society
0: No, and it's not the sign of a free society either And again that comes back to our original point Which is that this is a sign of a large and intrusive government yeah. Is that this would never occur to a President Cook Yeah. <laughs> and who's sitting in... And I wonder why you think they've focused in on this in particular? I mean, it did seem odd that before the rules had been written and issued, this came up. By the way, we're specifically going to require contraception. What in the administration caused them to focus in on this?
1: Oh, well, this is, I mean, you know, this is a cultural jihad. You know, it's uh, the left is always going to be picking this fight. One, because it's politically good for them, but the other because, as we were saying earlier, they want everyone to be forced to be on the same ethical page. This is why, you know, the, take the, you know, the wedding cake cases in Colorado and the uh, wedding photographer cases. Of all the industries in the world in which it's hard to find a gay-friendly provider, are you telling me wedding planning? No, it's just not the case. Yeah. But they want to make sure that these recalcitrant, knuckle-dragging evangelicals are forced to to abide by the rules that they negotiate. Same thing with, you know, with public funding of abortion and things like that, whether it's in the military or through foreign aid, other sorts of things. It's not because somewhere in the world someone's not going to get an abortion unless Uncle Sam writes a check for it. Uh, It's about making sure that we are all implicated in this same uh, decay.
0: Yeah, and it struck me yesterday, obviously, leaning toward the libertarian... I'm uncomfortable with force. And I'm not just philosophically uncomfortable with force. And I'm not just as a historian, uncomfortable looking at what force tends to do to people. But I think instinctively, as an individual, I'm uncomfortable with asking people or, or using the state's force to do too much. And, you know, you've certainly talked about this at length, that government being force government being violence at its root and necessary violence i'm not an anarchist but sure. government should therefore try and use that force as sparingly as possible and i was thinking yesterday when i was watching the cable coverage of the protest outside the supreme court as, a, as an individual and a human being i find it impossible to imagine myself standing in new mexico fighting for my right to force an individual who thinks my gay marriage will violate their conscience to come and take photographs of me and likewise the prospect of standing outside a Supreme Court with a sign in the hope that justices will uphold government force in its attempt to make the devout pay for contraception that they believe may send them to hell is utterly insidious as an idea
1: yeah well you know and this is i think the case without overstating things that we always have to keep in mind which is that the other side is totalitarian and it's not just about politics it's uh you know people like you and i uh, are both politically and culturally inclined to take a live and let live view of things for the most part You know, there are certain, yeah, as you said, politics is violence, and there are times when you have to use it. It wasn't the Emancipation Proclamation that freed the slaves. It was Sherman (laughs) by, you know, marching through the South and burning things down. Absolutely. Uh, And, you know, it wasn't wasn't harsh words that stopped the Nazis and uh, and all that sort of thing. But, um, you know, down to the things you've written about, about, you know, university speech codes and things like that, and things that aren't necessarily, you know, explicit government force, uh, you know, they want us all to talk the same way. They want us all to think the same way. They want us all to believe the same way, and they want us, uh, you know, all to engage in sex under the same rules. Um, and whether we do it this way or we do it that way, starting to sound a little pervy here all of a sudden. But um, but that there is going to be you know, just the one standard, and it's going to be their standard. And if somebody objects to that, well, right now it's well, you're allowed to object to it but only in your capacity as a member of a church, yeah. uh, not in your capacity as an owner of a business. But then, of course, you're going to end up in the situation you have in the United Kingdom and uh, Canada and other places where you're not allowed to object to it in that capacity either, uh, where it becomes hate speech, it becomes you know a violation of X, Y, and Z civil rights law. And uh, so they're not totalitarians in the sense of coming to our houses with bayonets to put us in camps yet, no. but um, but their underlying philosophical assumptions, and their sort of basic cultural and human orientation is in that direction, I think it's important to keep in mind.
0: Yeah, and you wrote about Orwell earlier in the week, and the language is perplexing. The thing that astonished me was watching Debbie Wasserman Schultz, who is the... <laughs> Stop. <laughs> we, we, we can't talk about her. The no, uh, most mendacious defender of Obamacare, but a vigorous defender of Obamacare, doing the rounds on television and suggesting that nobody should get between an American and their doctor. I mean, there is a real, and I was going to say disconnect here, but I don't think it is. I think it's just flat out mendacious. I think, as we saw with the use of the Gadsden flag to defend Obamacare, don't tread on my Obamacare. (laughs) In some regards, as a libertarian, this, this impresses me because clearly they have noticed that they need to use the language of liberty to get anything done that's in some regards heartening hey we wish to impose upon you is clearly still not a winning message and yet as Orwell pointed out and maybe you want to talk about your piece a little bit as Orwell pointed out if you go down that road linguistically for too long language becomes confused politics becomes confused and eventually nobody can actually express themselves
1: yeah, and uh, I, I don't think we probably have time for me to go too much into that piece, about Orwell's great observation in politics in the English language is that if you can't write, you can't think. If you don't have language for something, uh, you don't have the tools to analyze it. And we're at a particularly perverse point where uh, freedom is taken to mean the right to compel other people to subsidize your choices on doing X, Y, and Z, and... Um, and not having someone get involved between you and your doctor means having this giant new federal <laughs> apparatus at a cost of a trillion dollars uh, or whatever it's going to be, and inserting the IRS and the Department of Health and Human Services and your state government and God knows who else into the mix, because that's going to make things more direct and simple.
0: <laughs> yeah, we should probably leave with a, with a reading recommendation. I would recommend everyone read Jacob Solomon in Reason Today about this issue. He put it, uh, as he said, impolitely that this is a fight between fake fights. uh, Sorry, this is a fight between uh, fake rights and real rights. That's probably a good way of putting it.
1: In terms of reading recommendations, pop quiz question for you here at the end. We're talking about Orwell. Which do you think is better, politics in the English language or the lion and the unicorn?
0: Probably the lion and the unicorn. And I also...
1: Like it's a very English answer
0: of you, I also like inside the whale, okay.